Hello there, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a look at popular songs of the past and looks at their history, their meaning, or any other things that might be of interest surrounding those songs. My name is Claude Call, but you'll get used to that. If you want to get in touch with me, well, probably the best way is to find me on Twitter at HowGoodItIsPod. Or you can leave a comment on the website, HowGoodItIs.com, where you can find some additional trivia, some follow-ups, and some other stuff that I found interesting. And don't forget to check out and follow the show's Facebook page, which is where the cool kids come to play. It's over at Facebook.com slash HowGoodItIsPod. You know, once you start looking closely, you start to realize that many bands have their biggest hits over a relatively small period of time. In last week's show, we talked about the Coasters, whose biggest charting hits all became between uh, 1959 and 1961. And a while back, I talked about the Buckinghams, a band with five big hits, all of which charted in 1967. Now, lots of times these bands manage to capture some lightning in a bottle and have a very good brief run, but then something will happen. A key player will drop out, or the band breaks up altogether, or tastes simply change and the group doesn't manage to keep up. But in other cases, sometimes it feels like they were fated to burn brightly and only for a short period of time. Janis Joplin was one of those artists. Her rock and roll career lasted exactly four and a half years from the time she first joined Big Brother and the Holding Company to her death in October of 1970. And even at that, her hit-making career lasted just over two years. And while Joplin performed with a few different bands over the years, the last song she recorded was an a cappella piece. I'd like to do a song of great social import. It goes like this. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? Now, Joplin's announcement at the top of the song that it was of great social importance was serious, not sarcastic. We'll talk about uh, that a little bit more in a couple of minutes. The song was based on a poem by a beat poet named Michael McClure. Uh, Joplin heard him performing the piece early in the summer of 1970, and she liked the sound of it, so she started noodling around with it. A while later, in August, uh, Joplin was staying in New York City in order to do some performances an hour away in the town of Portchester. She wasn't thrilled about doing the shows because she didn't think the opening acts were especially compatible with her style of music. According to the song's co-writer, Bob Newworth, he knew that Joplin was a big fan of actress Geraldine Page, and since he knew her husband, who was actor Rip Torn, he invited the two of them to come along with them in the limo to see the show up there. Joplin didn't even know that they were going to be in the car, so when she came down and saw Paige, Newworth says she lit up, and before long, Paige and Joplin were like old friends, and they headed up to Porchester together. They got to the Capitol Theater that afternoon, and the band did their sound check, so that meant that everybody had a couple of hours to kill before the show itself. So the four of them went to a bar around the corner from the theater. While they were all sitting there drinking and having fun, Joplin starts to sing the first line from McClure's poem. In fact, she sang it a few times, which encouraged Rip Torn and Geraldine Page to start banging their beer glasses on the table to keep time. 
Newworth, in the meantime, was writing down everything she sang on bar napkins. He says he suggested a few words here and there, and that's how the third verse came into being. After a while, the road manager came into the bar to tell Joplin she was on in 15 minutes. So they went back up the block to the theater, and after performing the first two songs, she announced that she wanted to sing a new song. It's a little tough to make out, but you'll hear her saying she just wrote it in a bar around the corner. I'm going to do an acapulco, so uh, okay, it's not going to work. <laughs> oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends own right Porsches. I must make amends. I've worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me? Now, right before she sings, she says that she's going to sing at Acapulco, which was Newworth's jokey way of singing acapella. You can hear that the band is a little bit confused because, of course, they hadn't heard the song before. And the other reason they were confused was because they saw her pick up her guitar, but then she never uses it during the song. They didn't even know what key it was in, so they just did their tentative best to follow along. According to drummer Clark Pearson, even the audience was a little confused at first, but then they began to smile and start clapping along. Michael McClure says that she called him sometime during the month of August to say that she was performing the song, but that hers was different from his. She sang it over the phone, and he said it was okay, and then got his auto harp and sang her his version over the phone. He says that she told him she liked her version better, and he said, well, that's fine, she can sing her version. He didn't really think anything else about it until the Pearl album came out in 1971, and he saw his name along with hers on the song credit. So his poetry never made a dime, but he made a fortune on this song. Joplin performed the song before an audience one more time at the Harvard Theater in Boston just a little while later on August 12th, but it was on October 1st that she actually recorded it. At the time, she was working with the Full Tilt Boogie Band, and they were in the Sunset Sound Studios in Los Angeles working on the tracks that would eventually become the Pearl album. Something went wrong with the two-inch tape recorder. Now, I guess I should note, it's the tape that was two inches, not the recorder. Producer Paul Rothschild worked on the tape deck while everyone just kind of sat around. That wasn't really Joplin's speed, though, so to keep the band amused, she started to sing Mercedes-Benz. Joplin was isolated in the vocal booth, which is why you don't hear anyone else. But if you listen carefully, you can hear her sandals slapping out the beat, and every now and then, you can hear her bracelets jangling. So wait a minute, I hear you saying. Wasn't the tape recorder broken? How did the song get recorded? Well, I'm glad you asked. In addition to the two-inch tape recorder, Rothschild also had a standard quarter-inch recorder rolling as a safety backup reel, and nobody had shut it off while he was fixing the two-inch machine. So with Joplin goofing around with the song in the vocal booth, her singing was caught by the safety tape. Incidentally, I feel like I should explain one of the references in the song. In the second verse, she sings this. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a color TV? Dialing four dollars is trying to find me i wait for delivery each day until three so oh lord won't you buy me 
a colored TV. Dialing for Dollars was a kind of game show that TV stations across the country would play. It started out as a game show on the radio here in Baltimore, uh, but moved quickly to television and got syndicated across the country. Basically, a local television personality would open the show with a password of some kind, usually called the count and the amount. The count was a random number, one through nine, plus a random direction, either up or down or top or bottom, depending on the uh, station. The amount was the prize for that day. The station would call a viewer at random from a bin of postcards that had been sent in, and if the person who was called knew both the count and the amount, well, they won that day's money as a prize. If they couldn't answer correctly, or if they didn't pick up the phone, well, the prize money would go up by a couple of dollars. If you've ever watched uh, Live with uh, Kelly and Ryan, they often play games with the format, but it's the same kind of thing. Sometimes local television morning shows have a similar game as well, and it wasn't a whole lot of money. It was only like, I don't know, $25, some small amount, but it was, you know, a little bit of bragging rights. Hey, I got on TV and I won $25 on on dialing for dollars. A couple of days after that October 1st recording session, Joplin was found dead in her hotel room by her road manager who came looking for her when she didn't show up for the recording session. Now remember, this was a huge blow to the music industry given that Jimi Hendrix had also died of an overdose just a couple of weeks earlier. After the initial shock, the band worked for 10 days straight to create some great instrumental tracks to go with the songs they had, but Rothschild decided that Mercedes-Benz had to be used as it was with no instrumentation. Mercedes-Benz was never a single in its own right. In fact, it was released as the B-side to Cry Baby. But even casual fans of Janis Joplin know this track, and many others know about it because it was used in a TV commercial for Mercedes-Benz cars. The ad was widely decried by music purists who were eager to point out that the message behind the song was that having a fancy car does not make you a better person. But if you want to go pointing fingers on that one, look no further than Joplin's brother and sister who manage her estate. There was one other recording that was completed at the October 1st session. It was a birthday message for John Lennon. Yoko Ono had arranged for several musicians to record a birthday message for John's 30th birthday, and Janis Joplin was one of the participants. since John's birthday was October 8th, he didn't hear it until after she had died. That's it. (laughs) 
Well, I guess so. When Jenna says that's it, well, that's it. And that is it for this edition of How Good It Is. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also check out and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. Or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. Next time around, we're going to discover how good it is to discover another treasure trove of cover tunes. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you then. Mm-hmm.